praise you, Jesus. If you have your Bibles, would you open them, please, to the Gospel of St. Luke. Praise God. Praise you, Jesus. Praise God. Those of you who are intercessors, I would ask you to pray. The Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 22. Beginning with the 31st verse. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you, that he may sift you as sweet. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both to prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you shall three times deny that you even know me. If you would please turn over to verse 62. Let's start with 54, please. Verse 54. Then they took him, speaking of Jesus, and led him and brought him to the high priest's house. And Peter followed afar off. And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. But a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, This man was also with him. And he denied him, saying, Woman, I know him not. After a little while, another saw him and said, Thou art also of them. Peter said, Man, I am not. And about the space of one hour after Another confidently affirmed, saying, Of a truth, this fellow was with him, for he's a Galilean. Peter said, Man, I know not what you're saying. And immediately, while he yet spake, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord. How he had said unto him, Before the rooster crows, you shall deny me three times. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. I'd like to just preach for a few moments by the help and grace of God. Taken from the 32nd verse, the words of the Lord Jesus who said, I have prayed for thee. I have prayed for thee. Would you... Bow your heads as we pray and ask his blessing on 
on his word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the great moving of your spirit and the honor of your presence, which we have sensed in, from the very first service, O Lord, that we gathered here in this camp meeting. But we ask you one more time, O Father, to lift us once again between the heavens and the earth into the mystical place of God where all things are present and alive and real. Take us all, O Lord, those in this congregation, me as your servant, those watching by worldwide internet television and across this nation on Sun Life Radio, arrest us all that we might behold what thus saith the Lord. I ask of thee, O Father, for the spirit of the evangelist and that you would bring great healing to us all. Help us, O Lord, to deliver your heart. May the Spirit of the Father speak through me by your grace. And Satan, I remind you that you are an absolutely and completely, totally, utterly defeated foe. By the precious blood of Jesus Christ, we bind you and you shall not hinder the word from going forward in any way, shape, or form. For Jesus is Lord. And neither shall you steal the word that shall be sown into the hearts of all who shall hear and listen to these words. And Father, we will give you the glory and the honor and the praise all the days of our life and even now for what you are about to do by the help and grace of your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen and Amen. As I talked to you about yesterday, I sat at my table as I was reading this story <clears throat> and uh, I began to, to weep. And to cry when I got to the part that we just read where Peter said to the Lord, I am ready. And I began to really think about that and I began to, to ponder, how is it that we could be so absolutely convinced that we are so strong and that we know exactly where we are with the Lord? And, 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 and yet, at the same time, be so completely devoid of understanding where we really are. And what the condition of our heart really is. You see, we're not talking about a heathen here. We're talking about the great apostle Peter, who walked with Jesus to this point for almost three and a half years of his life. When the Lord walked by and him and Andrew, as we talked about it yesterday, were washing their nets and Jesus would come by and, and forever change his life and say, uh, 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 come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And the Bible tells us that immediately Peter and Andrew dropped their nets and followed Jesus in the way. We're not talking about a couple guys who, you know, were interior decorators here. We're talking about rugged men. We're talking about men who were moved by that man from Galilee to leave everything behind. To forsake everything that they had ever known up to that point and to follow him. To leave their business. To leave their family. 
One time when Jesus turned to the apostles, he said to them when, when he demanded of them, unless you eat of my body and drink of my blood, you shall have no part of me. And, and all of his disciples departed and he turned and he looked at, at, at the twelve and he said, uh, will you also go? And Peter said, where am I supposed to go? You have the words of eternal life. I've left everything for you, Lord. I've left my wife. I've left my children. I've left, I, I, I've left my business. And I have followed you from Dan to Beersheba. And I have seen things that, that no one has ever seen. You changed my life, Jesus. You, you brought into my life one day... Uh, out of a mundane existence, suddenly I had hope. It so impacted me that I left everything behind to follow you. And now you tell me that I'm going to deny you? No way. I'm ready to die for you, Lord. I would do anything for you. I was there when you healed my mother-in-law. And hundreds of people came to my house and, and, and I didn't even, I didn't know what to do. They were trying to press in and I was overwhelmed. One day I'm fishing and the next day my house is, is having a camp meeting. I, I was so overtaken by you, Lord, that, that I, I, I explained to my wife that I, I have to go with this man. There's something about it. I've never heard anyone talk like this before. You know he healed your mother. And we saw him open blinded eyes here in our house. I, I, I have to find out what this is all about. I have to leave. And I left it all behind for you, Lord. I remember, I remember when you... When you and I had a conversation and, 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 and you asked me after I had been fishing all night, have you caught any fish? I remember the attitude in my heart, Lord. I, I told you, I said, yeah, you know, we haven't caught anything. We, we fished all night. And, and I remember when you told me, well, launch out again. I, I must confess that, uh, you know, you're a great preacher and everything, but on that day I was thinking, you know, you, you, you pre, I'll leave the preaching to you, but I'm a fisherman. I, I know what I'm doing, but, but nevertheless, at your word, we went out and, and I remember when you told me to cast the net on the right side of the boat and I'll, I'll never forget that we caught the largest amount of fish I had ever seen in my life. It was, I know it was a miracle, Lord. And I remember that the power that was displayed that day was not just a power to, to, to reap a harvest of fish. I remember the presence of God that came in our boat so much so that it convicted me to my very heart. And I fell at your feet and said, depart from me for I am a sinful man. The power of God, the holiness of God. I left all to follow you. And he finds himself sitting in, in the upper room with Jesus and, 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 and they're having the last supper. And, 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 and their minds were so confused. 
One day we think he's going to lead the armies and overthrow Rome and, and we're going to be the cabinet members. It's amazing if you read it. <laughs> I mean, he tell, Jesus tells them in the 26th chapter as they're having the Passover, he says, he says, tonight one of you is going to betray me. Chapter 22, you can read it. One of you guys is going to betray me. And they all start arguing amongst each other and they say, is it me? Is it me? Is it you? Is it me? And then in the very next verse or two, after they got over wondering who it was that was going to betray the Lord, they say, they start arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. People are weird, man. <laughs> Just that alone would prove that Peter wasn't ready. The things that we do, the things that we say, how we boldly proclaim our faith. You know, it's easy to do that when, when Robin and Randy and Joseph and Grace are singing and, and we're, we're praising God and the choirs and hallelujah and all that. But what do you do when you're alone? What do you do in the middle of the night when all hell is breaking loose around you? When, when you're trying the best that you know how to live the life of a Christian. And yet there's something on the inside of you that's gnawing away at you. And you fight it. And you struggle with it. When you first got saved, you were the first one to church. You couldn't wait to get to church. Uh, anybody you, you would meet on the street, you just had to tell them about Jesus. And you swore that you would never, ever go back to that place that you once were. And you meant it with all of your heart. I'm ready to die for you, Lord. I'll go to prison for you, Lord. And yet something happened to Peter. Jesus, in the room, he tells them, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you and to sift you. My God, are you awake? Some of you, you don't know why you're going through the hell that you're going through. As a matter of fact, you look really nice and you look really happy and you love the Lord with all your heart. But if we really knew what was going on on the inside of you, you'd have a heart attack if people really knew what you were suffering with. I remember one time preaching 
in uh, Tucson, Arizona, some 20-something years ago, a young preacher trying to prove to my father-in-law that I was indeed called to preach the gospel and he didn't know anything. And I'm going to show him. I remember my father-in-law told me, Marty, because we used to have these camp meetings on the Indian reservation and, and I would go preach and, and uh, he'd sit there. You're looking like one of those wooden store Indians, you know? <laughs> and uh, I'd be preaching away. People would be jumping, shouting, hallelujah. And I'd look over at the corner of my eye saying, he's got to see how anointed I am now. <laughs> and he'd sit there like this. And I told him, I said, afterwards, I go and talk to him. I said, Grandpa, how come when, like we were at Brother Swagger's meeting in San Diego, and I saw you, man, you're up on your feet, hallelujah, and praise God. And, or Brother Vigil comes by and preaches under the tent, and you're like, hallelujah, and praise God. And, and then when I preach, you just sit there like this. And he'd say, he'd say, because you're not ready. Oh, I got mad. What does he know anyway? I know the Bible inside and out. I know it backwards and forwards and upside down. And he, and, and, and he don't know nothing. What does he know? I'm God's great man of faith and power for goodness sake. And one day, bless God, he's going to recognize it. Everybody else already knows it. That, that's always been one of my, my spiritual strengths is my humility. <laughs> my Lord. And I'm preaching in Tucson, Arizona and, and uh, dragging my family my pregnant wife crisscrossing the country. She's got babies in tow. My, my little daughter, Melissa. She's got Mary Beth. I think she already had Mary Beth. And she's pregnant with Michaela, my other daughter. And I'm God's great man of faith and power. And I'm going to take the world by storm. And I'm going to prove to that old Indian that he don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> hmm? Really endearing myself with my father-in-law when you drag his pregnant daughter with two babies and no money. He loved me, my Lord. And I'm there in Tucson, Arizona, and, and uh, I, I had been uh, uh, called by one of the district leaders of the Pentecostal Holiness Church. And he said, man, we're going to book your revivals from Washington to New York. Oh, amen. Praise God. It's the Lord. And I would have sworn, uh, I would have bet my last hair on my head that, uh, Jesus, I'm ready. Hmm? I'm ready to die for you, man. 
It's me and Jesus, my wife. We were serving the Lord. I love him with all my heart. I was praying, literally. My wife can tell you. I would get up, get up every morning, 4 o'clock, 4.30. I would pray usually anywhere from two to two and a half hours a day. And I knew it was that much because I would take Brother Swaggart's tape and it was 30 minutes on one side, 30 minutes on the other. And I'd turn it over, you know. If I got through four, I'd just ask two hours. My God. My God, devil, watch out. I fasted twice a week. And I would study the word a minimum of two to three hours a day. Every single day. And you know what's funny about that? Is that I would pray like that. I would fast like that. I would study like that. And I was the most judgmental, mean, unhappy person you would want to meet. Now, I I wouldn't portray that on the outside. But on the inside, I was judging everybody else that I saw, including that wooden Indian. (laughs) And... uh, Something began to happen. You see, even though I was praying like that, even though I was seeking God with that intensity, and we were seeing people get saved, and and God was merciful to me, and he would anoint, you know, whatever I preached, and I'm going to have to repent for a lot of what I used to preach. (laughs) Uh, You know, I used to listen to my old tapes, and when you get vexed by your own preaching... (laughs) <laughs> and uh, especially when you think it was really good <laughs> and, and so I'm in Tucson, Arizona and my pregnant wife I got my, my daughter from a previous marriage I, I had a messed up life, man the only good thing that came out of that marriage was my daughter, Melissa and she's with us and bless my wife's heart she never one time discouraged me she never one time refused to to leave the nest she loved God and I'm gonna hurry here but I've got to tell you something I get to Tucson Arizona and uh, we're gonna preach that night and so we show up I'm fasting I'm prayed up I'm ready to go The pastor greets us at the door. We pull up and there's absolutely no cars in the parking lot except for the pastor's car. And I said, brother, you know we're having a meeting, right? He goes, yeah, absolutely. Come on in, brother. And there was nobody there. And then about 10 minutes later, 12 children came walking in. And I was happy because I figured children equals parents, right? So we might at least have a crowd of 30 or so. But no adults came. Just 12 little kids. And I think I preached something out of, you know, there's sin in the house of God. (laughs) There's, there's, (laughs) you know, 12 little kids sitting on the front row. 
And you know, you better get right and you better repent. And God is a holy God. And, and hell is hot. And, uh, and my God, those poor little kids. I mean, their eyes got that big. <laughs> and, 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 and I thought, my, you know, I had to preach what God gave me or I thought God gave me and, and, and I'm preaching away and, and inside my spirit I'm mad because there's 12 kids sitting on the front row and there ain't nobody around but the pastor and his wife and my pregnant wife and my two, you know. Boy, I'm going to touch the world for Christ. Successful ministry. My goodness. And uh, that night uh, afterwards, I said, would you bow your heads, please? They all bowed their heads. And, and I said, uh, you know, who wants to accept the Lord as their Lord and Savior? And, amen. And they all raised their hands. All 12 of them. And all 12 of those little children came down to the altar prayed the sinner's prayer and they got saved and I remember what we've come to find out was that the church was located right down in the heart of a crack house neighborhood and that those little children had come from homes where mama and daddy if there was a daddy in the home were hooked on the pipe and they didn't have any place else to go and so they came to church. And I couldn't see it. I couldn't see that that was the heart of Jesus. I had to preach three nights to those 12 little kids. Uh, three or four nights. And by the fifth night, people started to come. And I knew in my heart that God was telling me, son, I'm about to break out in this church if you will stay here and there will be a mighty, powerful move of God if you will stay here and continue to preach. And I would like to confess to you today and say, yes, I said yes to the Lord and I stayed there and I preached. But I didn't. Because something began to happen to me. Something that I didn't want to talk about to anybody. I'm praying two, two and a half hours a day. I'm fasting twice a week. I'm reading the word three, four hours a day. I'm preaching revivals. And all the while on the inside of me, I'm struggling with things that were deep down inside of me that's literally, to be honest with you, scared me to death. And I didn't know who to turn to. I didn't know who to turn to. I, I went to my father-in-law one time and bless his heart. He just got saved. And I told him, I said... Grandpa, I don't know what to do. And, and he says, well, Marty, I, I don't know what to tell you. You know the word better than anybody I know. That's why I thank God for what Brother Jimmy's trying to preach around the world. 
You know, it's one thing to memorize somebody's doctrine. It's another thing to have the revelation of it. So it's good for you to memorize it, but when it flows out of a heart that's been there, someone who's literally been broken, someone who's been crushed, Satan desires to have you, Simon. And I remember, because can I be real with you? It's, it, can we, will you give me 10 minutes? Uh, praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. I, I remember. You know, man, I, I, I come from the streets. I was so happy. I saw my mother come in yesterday. I started crying. I said, my God, we've come a long way as a family. My mother and my father, they did the best they could, but, you know, they couldn't hold it together. My father's gone on to be with the Lord. That's another reason I thank God for Brother Swaggart. Right there in that third row where the pretty lady with the pink sweater is sitting, my father and my wife came to a camp meeting. And my old Catholic father, great businessman, had a problem with drinking and spending money. Those combinations not very good, is it? And uh, he came to camp meeting. And, and he, after three days of being in a setting like this, Brother Swagger began to sing, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. And then they would go into, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. And for the first time in my life, my father, I saw my father, my father. My father, who when he was a sinner, took me to the whorehouses in Mexico. I said, can we get real here today? My father right there began to lift his hands and praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My father died about 10 years ago. And my sister's. Marilyn and Lillian, they told me that he accepted the Lord Jesus Christ on his deathbed. And I know that dad's looking down over heaven saying, it's real, it's real, it's real. Simon, Simon, Satan desires to have you. I, I, I don't usually, you know, use notes, but... I had to look up this word again. To what Satan literally was saying, and I'll get back to that Tucson story, don't forget. <laughs> For the National Enquirer part of you, I will get back to that Tucson story. When he said Satan has desired to have you, it literally means that, that the word desired means to demand for trial. To vehemently and completely ask, desire, and crave for trial. That is what the devil was asking God for permission to do. He so wanted to target Simon Peter. That he craved it. 
And he wanted to prove that he could bring him down. And Peter didn't even know what was going on. You see, there is a spirit world. And there is a devil, whether you like... I know they don't like to talk about it anymore, but there is a devil. I know, because I met him. Some of you wonder, what in the world am I going through? The Bible tells us that the adulteress hunts for the precious life. Some of you say, man, my husband, he's just crazy. I've been fasting, I've been praying, I've been crying out to him. Our home is falling apart and, and, and I don't know what to do anymore. It just looks like, like, like nothing will ever happen. Where are you, God? Some of you personally are going through trials yourself and, 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 and you're struggling on the inside and, and you don't know what's happening. Why is this happening to me? Every believer on the face of the earth has already been crossed over into a threshold of trial that has come upon this planet. The Spirit of God is in the midst right now of separating the wheat from the chaff. Let me read this scripture to you real quick in Daniel chapter 11. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. The prophet Daniel told us that a day like this would come. In verse 35, chapter 11, he says, And some of them, of the understanding, he's not talking about the heathen here, he's talking about believers in the last days. Some of them of the understanding shall fall. Why? To try them. And what? For? To purge them. And to make them white. And when is this supposed to take place? Even to the time of the end. Because it is yet for an appointed time. God told us that a time was going to come in the last days. Simon Peter is a type of a larger remnant church that would exist at the end of all things. That would be specifically targeted by the devil for trial. To destroy him. Why did the devil target Simon Peter? Because he saw in him something that scared him to death. My God, the devil sends this huge storm on the sea. Jesus is off in a mountain praying somewhere. 
The sea is raging and roaring, and we're told in the scripture that Jesus comes walking on the water. Everybody's freaking out. They think it's a ghost. Simon says, it, it's, or John says, it's the Lord. There was a legend that said if there was a storm on the sea and you saw a ghost, it meant that you were going down. These were fishermen now. They were very familiar with the waters. And you know, sailors have a lot of traditions and, and superstitions. One of them was if you see a ghost in the middle of a storm, you guys are doomed. But they recognized it was the Lord. And Peter said, he said, Lord... If that's really you out there, bid me to come to you. And the Lord said, come on, boy. Hmm? And this crazy old man, Peter, in the middle of a hurricane-like storm, looking at what he thinks is a ghost, is just crazy enough to get up out of the boat and start walking on the water. Uh, oh, my God. You didn't... Oh. Oh, ha, 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 ha. Why, why did, why did Satan want to destroy someone like that? Because he's crazy enough. And if he ever gets his heart right with God, and if he ever totally gives himself to God, my God, there's nothing that God would ask of someone like that. I better try and destroy someone like that. But Jesus said, I have prayed for you. Hallelujah. Yes, you're going to go through some things. Yes, it's going to happen to you. I'm telling you right now, you're going to mess up, Simon. But I have prayed for you. Remember it, remember it, remember it. Hallelujah. I drove away from Tucson. Battling with things in my heart. Witchcraft. Witchcraft, Satanism, cocaine, perversions of all sort running through my mind while I'm preaching the gospel. I know I'm the only ugly sinner in the house, but just pray for me. Hmm. You've never had a dirty thought in your life? I know, I know. I'm among the holy. tell you something, even though I was going through all that stuff, God was still faithful to me. Hmm? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How do you explain when you're preaching to people and you've seen them get delivered at your altar calls? How do you explain when you, you see people come and answer the, the, the gospel call from messages that you're preaching? And at the same time, you're battling with witchcraft and Satanism in your mind. As a preacher. See, I don't know how honest I can be with people. But I don't have a reputation left, so it doesn't matter to me. I come by to tell you there is an answer to your problem. And it's not a Valium. It's not a psychotherapy couch. 
It's not another three points in a poem. It's the power of the preached word of Jesus Christ, the cross of Calvary, the blood of Jesus, the mercy of God, the delivering power, shaking power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. It blows the devil's mind that some of you are sitting here today. Glory! My God, my God, if it wasn't for my Savior, I'd be dead in a gutter somewhere. But because he loved me so much that he came down and hung on an old cross and they stretched him far and wide for me, for me, for me, for you. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Where's glory, glory? Hallelujah. Since I laid my old sin down. Where's glory, glory? Hallelujah. Since I laid my burdens down. Yes, sing it with me. Well, it's glory, glory. It's glory, glory. Hallelujah. Since I laid my burdens down. Well, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Since I laid my burdens down. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, you may be seated. Give me five more minutes. We got to get Peter delivered. Come on, somebody. Can't leave him like that. My God. See See, the hell you're going through. That, 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 that boy that's been giving you problems. That young boy. That girl. You held her in your arm when she was just a baby. And, and now she's, 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 she's running with the devil. She's been in church. But her heart was broken by the hypocrites in the traditional church. She saw no love there. She saw backbiters. She saw that when somebody failed, the church didn't bring them in. Like Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciples if you have love one for another. But what does the world see when somebody gets hurt in the church? The church kills its own wounded. My Lord. My Lord. But I know that I know that I know that I know. <laughs> 
that God is, is mystically assembling a church in this hour. Hallelujah. 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 I believe it was the prophet Habakkuk. He said, go up to the mountain and bring wood. And build my house. Or Haggai, one of those H's. What does that mean, Brother Marty? That wood, it symbolizes the cross. Hmm? Hmm? Why the cross? Because there's something about folk who, who, you know, who really know what it's like to be delivered, to, to have his forgiveness. And I'm not just talking about one time. Because I would be a liar, liar, liar if I sat here and told you today I ain't got no problems. I've got the victory. Hallelujah. That would be a lie. Mm. But, but God, I remember Catherine Coleman said one time, God never called golden vessels and silver vessels. God's looking for yielded vessels. The day of the superstar in the church is over. I said the day of the superstar in the church is over. There's only one Lord. There's only one King. There's only one baptizer in the Holy Ghost. There's only one who is worthy of our praise. His name is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. My Lord, my Lord, my Lord. As much as I love Billy Graham, he didn't die for me. As much as I love Brother Swagger, not go to the ends of the earth and do anything for him, he didn't die for me. As much as I love every single one of you, you didn't die for me. But there is one who loved me. He picked me up out of the gutter, man. When I thought that no one would want to have anything to do with me, he came to me and he told me, I still love you, Marty. I can still use you, Marty. Just take Take one step for me and I will take a million towards you. God help us not to fall back into the, the ways we used to be. Where we would lift up one evangelist after another and, and make them the superstar. There are no superstars. There's only the bright in the morning star. The lion of the tribe of Judah. The alpha and the omega. The beginning and the... You're not hearing what I'm telling you. You guys, give us a king. I don't want an earthly king. I want a resurrected savior. I don't need an, an earthly king. I want God Almighty, the son of the living God, who went down into the portals of hell and snatched the keys of death, hell, and the grave, cleansed me, clothed me, filled me, and wrote my name down in the Lamb's book of life. Let him and him alone be praised. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.
If God can find a people like that, like what you're praising God about right now, there won't be nothing we can't do. Hmm? The body fitly joined together. You know? Apostles in his place, the, the, the church is in his place, everybody yielded one to another, nobody thinking they're this and all that. Everybody in love with the true king, the rightful heir of this planet. Peter didn't know it was in him. I didn't know it was in me. I didn't. I, I'm not going to get into all the sordid details. They're bad enough. What have I already told you? I've been in the dark places of this world. And you don't want to go there. You know, when you mess with the devil, he'll, he'll titillate your flesh. He'll take you from being a dignified person created in the image of, the, of God and turn you into something that looks like a dog. And then... When he's done with you, he backs away from you and he mocks you and says, oh, you were God's great man of faith and power, were you? You used to sing, Jesus loves me this I know. Now look at you, needle sticking out of your arm, shaking because you need another, another hit of crystal meth. Nobody wants anything to do with you now. It's over for you. Two men, Judas and Peter. One would hang himself. One would be healed by the grace of God. We don't have time to get into all that. But the Bible says that Peter, when it happened, he went out and he wept bitterly. Have you ever been there, Saint? Help me, Lord. All that I'm describing to you, that was about 18, 20 years ago. A good decade would pass. Jesus had come and healed me, encouraged me again, filled me with his spirit. Started letting me preach again. And uh, I would have swore to you that I'd never ever mess up again. Would have swore it on, on, on my grandma's life. No way, man. I don't ever want to go back to that hell again. But it was only about seven years ago or so, maybe a few years less or more, I don't know, it doesn't matter. <clears throat> I started getting calls to go preach again. Only this time, it wasn't a little you know, 30, 40 people in churches and there's nothing wrong with that. I've had some of the greatest times in those kinds of little churches. But now I found myself 
in front of 250,000 people in Africa preaching. Packed out churches in Central America. And something began to happen again. See, because I thought, okay, I know the grace of God now. And the Lord ministered it to me this way. He, he didn't say, Simon, you're going to betray me. He said, Simon, Simon, twice. And I entered into a new level of ministry and I had no, I didn't know what began to happen to me. I began to start to deal with some of the old devils that I thought I had overcome. Really? <clears throat> I guess that's about it. Thank you for coming. <laughs> you nosy people, my God. Brother Jimmy, would you close the service, please? <clears throat> My Lord. Uh, I, uh, I fell. I fell hard, man. I was doing new levels, new devils. And I warned this ministry here. Not brother and sister Swipe. They know how to handle this. But you band members, you cameramen, you janitors, you teachers, you who attend this church, you who are part of this ministry, you are entering into a new level that you haven't known. <clears throat> and you need to walk really close to God. Because if you think that, that, that brother and sister Swagger, you're just going to sit there and say, go, 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 and watch them burn out for Christ. You're crazy, man. This is the last days. You're all about to go through some things. That's a happy message. You're already going through them. I know you are. And I, I fell hard, man. To the point where... Uh, uh, I won't get into all the details, but uh, the police had to come to my house. And uh, I, was, I was seeing visions. I thought, this is how, this is how, this is how sneaky the devil is. Uh, I started having visions one night. I heard people walking around in my house. It was, it was the devil, really. And uh, I was doing bad things, snorting lines of crystal meth. When just six months before I was leading 14,000 people in Panama into the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Too real, isn't it too real? Hmm? Trying to help you. <laughs> and, uh, those old devils are visiting me, only they came back stronger. And instead of devils appearing, ugly old devils, uh, I, was, I was having delusions that people were outside my house. I actually saw them. And I called, I woke my wife up and I called 911. And she kept telling me, there's nobody there. And I called 911 and, and the police come. I hadn't been to sleep in like two days, three days, higher than a kite. 
and uh, the police come. And, and they go away. They search out a whole house and nothing, you know, nobody in the backyard. But he knew. Okay. Twelve hours later, I had a conversation with a demon spirit for two hours. He was dressed like an Iraqi war veteran. And he was telling me, I'm a homeless guy. I ain't got nowhere to stay. Do you mind if I just kick back under one of your trees here in your front yard? And my daughter, Michaela, came home. And, and they were just littler than they are now. And I said, Mikey, do you see him? Do you see him? Daddy, I don't see anything. I said, he's there. And then I saw someone else under the tree. And I said, I... I, then I got paranoid. I said, I got to go get them. And I grabbed myself a tennis racket. And I was running out there to go beat up those guys under my tree. But there wasn't anyone there. By that time, my family was still, they knew there was something wrong with daddy. But <laughs> and, uh, and I think it was them who called the police. They, we've never discussed this, but uh, the police came back. And that night I had to, I had to suffer the the shame of uh, having my little girls who I had trained from the time they were infants in the ways of God see policemen take away their father in handcuffs for 72 hour protection from himself because he might be a danger to himself or somebody else And uh, they put me in uh, one of those crazy houses. <laughs> hmm? And when I was in there, I, my, my soul was so dark. And I said, you know, God, I don't want nothing to do with you anymore. I don't believe this stuff anymore. I've cried out to you. I won't get into all the details about all this pressure that was, I was feeling and stuff. I don't understand it. I do know one thing. There's victory in the cross. <laughs> Hallelujah. And me. I used to be a long-haired dude, love hanging out on the beach, free as a bird. That's why I was singing that, that song yesterday. Because it makes me happy. I'm that kind of a spirit. He set me free, oh, he set me free. So will you take me and you put me in a padded cell somewhere? That makes me even more crazy. And I was in there and I was, I, was, I was just unbelievably upset, angry with God, ashamed that my children had to see that. When they ran the toxicology report on me at the hospital, it came up saying that he's high on crystal meth. My wife had to see that. My kids had to see that. When six months later, they were watching, earlier they were watching videos of me preaching to tens of thousands of people around the world. Simon, Simon, Satan is desired to sift you like wheat, man. But I have prayed for you. And in that, in that crazy place, they used to have those meetings. For three days, I had to sit in these group sessions and listen to this psycho babble. And I didn't want to say nothing. I didn't want to say nothing. Don't make me talk. I ain't going to talk about nothing. 
And uh, it would come time for me to say something. I had to say something that I was worried because they can keep you there as long as they want to. I, I thought I was going to be Jack Nicholson in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Remember that? They're never going to let me out. So I got to play the game. So I start, you know, what do you think about this? And I'd say, all right. And I would start talking about this. I wouldn't say Jesus, but I'd start using biblical principles about love. And I believe in this, you know, this and that. And this is how God is. In my darkest hour. I mean, I, I can't even imagine. I, I, no one can really imagine except the Lord. And you guys have been there too. I know you've been there in your own ways. How hurt I was for my children and my wife. What they had to go through. What I put them through. Would they ever serve God? I was their hero. I was their daddy. I'm mad at God. Leave me alone, God. I don't want, I don't want this Christian thing no more. I, can't, I, I just can't do it. Can't do it. Tried it. Thought I had the victory. Thought I'd never fail again. Here I am. And in the midst of that crazy place, the words that I was speaking in those sessions, God began to move by his spirit and touch other crazy people. there was this one guy and I'll close with this I've been preaching way too long I'll close with this this one guy in there he's an old Vietnam vet and uh, he had this little you know those chairs they drive around in and I'd hear him coming down the hall and uh, and he come up to my room and said Marty can I talk to you <sighs> yeah go ahead man what's up he says, man, the way you were talking today, he goes, are, are you a preacher or something? I said, well, yeah, not really. I've done a few things. He said, well, I like what you had to say. And then he goes, the only time they let us outside is to go have a cigarette break. So I go out and have a cigarette. I told you I was messed up. <clears throat> and uh, one night and I told God I'm not going to serve you anymore I pray to God Debbie just leaves me takes the kids I don't want nothing I don't want the house I don't want no money I don't care about nothing I just want to die man see the Bible says Peter wept bitterly he remembered what the Lord had told him and he wept bitterly that word bitter means to wail like oh with a cry from the depth of the soul in agony over failure and that's where I was man and, and, and then one night I'm sitting out there and, and here comes the sound of that little thing he pulls up outside and I'm like oh God leave me alone God bless his heart if he's watching um, he says I know you're a preacher Tell me the truth. I said, yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, I've preached. I've held revivals. Da, 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 da. 
He says, well, would you pray for me? I'm like, I'm like, I'm in the nut house, dude. <laughs> Hello. The inmates are running the asylum. Hello, my name is Reverend Nut. You know, I mean. <laughs> oh, man, God has a sense of humor. prayed for him didn't want to do it there was no faith in my heart I was mad at God but there was something on the inside of me once he's touched you David said if I make my bed in hell there you are he'll never leave you He'll never forsake you. I know that's why the man wrote that song, Amazing Grace. Oh, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I prayed for that man. He says, thank you very much in the name of Jesus. He goes away. And I sat there and I cried like a baby. I cried like a baby on that cement picnic bench they had out there. I said, Lord, why are you making me pray for someone when I am such a dark, devilish, God-forsaken man? Later that next day, that guy would come into the group session. That guy would, <laughs> that guy would say, when it came his time to talk, he'd say, <clears throat> Last night, I'm trying to be cool here. I don't want nobody to know who I am. Just got a lot to worry about I got a lot to deal with last night brother Marty didn't call me brother Marty said but Marty over there prayed for me and he said and for the first time and I think it was 25 years 20 25 years he said for the first time in 25 years my thoughts of suicide have gone away and I had the first good night's sleep that I've had in 25 years my lord my lord my lord my lord God isn't done with you hallelujah 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 my lord my lord and I'm closing with this <laughs> all of a sudden all those people start other people in the group would you pray for me would you pray for me what Bible should I use? Do you think what Bible should I use? That just blew my mind. We're all in the nut house, for goodness sakes. I got problems too. Hello. And you're asking me for help. My God. <laughs> you can't run from the call, Jonah. So you might as well just answer it. Well, you don't know what I've done. Well, I don't care what you've done. The blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on Calvary reaches to the highest mountain, reaches to the lowest valley, and is able to cleanse you. So get up 
Let him wash you. Let him cleanse you. Let him reignite you. Put the past behind you. Go forward and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. My Lord. My Lord, my Lord, my Lord, my Lord. (laughs) My 72 hours were up. And every one of those people, you can stay standing. I'm I'm closing. (laughs) I can't give you, I've given you way too much dirty laundry already. My God. Uh, Every one of those, there was like seven or eight on my side of the ward. Uh, My 72 hours were up. Debbie and the girls came to pick me up. And uh, they all got up early. And stood in the hallway in the doors. And uh, each one of them hugged me as I left. And said, thank you for praying for me. Thank you for praying for me. Thank you for praying for me. What are you trying to tell me, Brother Marty? (laughs) There's victory in the cross of Christ. God isn't done with you. I don't care what you've done. God isn't. It's been several years now. Are you you completely free from everything in your life? Heck no. Are you? Huh? Are you? Because if you are, I might as well just sit down and listen to you and we'll hear, oh, the angels singing and you're... First Corinthians fifteen five says that he appeared to five hundred people, he appeared to the, the the disciples, but it also says first he appeared unto Cephas. Cephas, Peter. Peter had a had Peter fell so hard he had to have a private visitation from God. He loves us that much. He he'll come to you just like he came to me. I thought God was done with me. My wife put her foot down and said, you know what? We're going back to Baton Rouge. You can come if you want to come. I said, I don't want to come, but I'll go because I love you and the children. And my life is nothing without you. And I ran into my father in the Lord. Good morning. How you doing? I want you to sing for me on Sunday. You go back and look at that tape. The very first song I sang here was, Have You Met the Man from Galilee? It had only been a few weeks since I had gone through that hell that I'm describing to you. And I sat here on this platform singing to the world, the whole world. Once you've met the man from Galilee. He who calms your storms. Yes. He finally made my blinded eyes to see. Hallelujah. Oh, he will never, never. be 
he will change, change your life. Your life. Hallelujah. I, I bet Peter sang that on the day of Pentecost. My God, he went from weeping bitterly, denying the Lord, to, to being refreshed, restored, all in a 50-day period. Well, we've got to put you over here and sit you down for three years and put you through our, our training before we can even trust you. But that's not what Jesus did with Peter. My God, the Bible says on the day of Pentecost when it was fully come, the cloven tongues of fire sat upon all of them. And it wasn't John. It wasn't Andrew. It wasn't Philip. It wasn't Bartholomew. It was Peter, my God, who stood up and said, this is that which, oh my God, do you hear what I'm telling you? God's not done with you. My Lord, oh, he will change your life and he will set your spirit free aren't you glad hallelujah 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 these altars are going to be open for you today you that are watching my internet television you listening around the country on radio you here in the sanctuary there's nothing that you've done that you cannot be forgiven for preacher God's not done with you he loves you he loves you Mama, it's going to be all right. That boy will be saved. Daddy, that daughter's going to serve God. That marriage will be put back together. God will use you again. You've been fighting so hard because there's such a great destiny on your life. But I came by to tell you there is freedom in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he will not forsake you. And as we sing this song, these altars are open. You come and you cry out to Him. And He will cleanse you. He will forgive you. He will use you. He will deliver you. He will set your loved ones free. There's nothing impossible for Him. Hallelujah. For it reaches to the highest mountain. Sing it for me. Sing it for me. Why don't you come? Why don't you come? He loves you. He loves you. Hallelujah. He loves you. He's not.